2: Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete yet. yeah. A transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are song full of that. go right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets so. up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's get right into it, gentlemen, because we have football to talk about. The Big 12 kind of knows what's going on. Texas opens camp on Friday, even though Tom Herman still can't tell you when his season opener will be. (laughs) Nevertheless, we roll along. The Longhorns roll along. and Let's get this presentation underway. As I bring in the rest of the team, he is the master of the soundboard, the Drop Machine Extraordinaire. Matt Butler, Matt, how's the daily fantasy world treating you right now?
1: Oh, NBA's been pretty, pretty cool. It's been busy as hell. It's mm. like uh, literally the way Christmas sets up—like five day, ga- five or six games in a row. It's like that every day, so it's a never-ending gauntlet. But it's been awesome.
2: Yeah, I was planning to eat some lunch and watch the Mavericks yesterday, but no, <laughs> thank you to territorial rights. That's right. I had to watch uh, Bucks Nets yesterday. Oh yeah, instead. you're in. Th-
1: Austin gets all the weird areas like that. As an Astro, it used to be an Astro market, became a Ranger market, and then just back and forth with the pro markets we're in a, this area. We're I really Spurs don't know. market apparently.
2: Exactly. It
0: won't be long before they're trying to showcase Luca and everybody. Oh and yeah, lots for sure. Maps. That's just it a, get like get a that. year or two. Maybe in two the years. two
1: things happened when the Astros sucked. It switched to the Rangers for a while, and yeah. then whenever the Astros became good again exactly. with Correa and them, and now the
2: Astros. Yep. Uh, a man who uh, definitely he loves his Houston Astros. Loves all things Houston go, go. because that is where he's from. A member of DB High at Lamar High School. He is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers.
0: Thanks for the intro, brother, as always. It's Damn I, good. It's what I do. Never falls off, brother. It's yeah. ne, it's, ne, it's never a letdown.
2: I was wondering when I get like a third of the way through that thing, I was like, all right, where's my slip up gonna be? No,
0: man. You don't uh, I don't think you have slipped
2: up. Probably in a couple of years. It's like, it's it's like, it's like a white, it's like a white knuckle ride all the way to the end. I like, <laughs> gotta like make sure, things. gotta make sure I don't flub this thing. <laughs> it's one of
1: those things though. You're so used to doing so much that it's almost like an out of body experience. Your body just takes yeah. over. Yeah, muscle, muscle memory. It's like it. I remember like Craigway going to breaks. Like Craigway can go into mode if he needs to take over airtime. He can go into the mess. Yeah. Like his, you see cruise his mind. He's like reading yeah. it. It's like cruise control mm-hmm.
2: for him. Speaking of flub, I use the word flub. Flub is an appropriate word for the Big 12 Conference, gentlemen, mm-hmm. is it not, as a whole? Rod, I give uh, you credit yeah. because as you coined him several years ago, Bob Bowlesby is the Michael Scott. Of conference commissioners.
0: I know. And more and more people are upset with me about that uh, analogy because it's an insult to Michael Scott. People love <laughs> Michael Scott so much. They're like, what do you mean,
1: man? Uh, Michael
0: Scott. So I, I do, Michael Scott is lovable. Bob Bowlesby is not. But in terms of the incompetence and ineptitude and the lack of, a self awareness. That's where Bob Bosby and Michael Scott have a lot of similarity. But you're right. At least Michael Scott is lovable in the end. Here's sure. what.
2: <laughs> here's what took the Big Twelve so long to decide on the nine plus one format. There was one school, and I haven't confirmed who that school was. There was one school that was vehemently for only nine conference games. That's it. No non cons. Oh, just just the nine conference games.
0: Just nine conference games, and that's it. Oh, who is that?
2: weird well i'm not and i don't know who it was yeah we but can theorize you, we're just theorizing you can theorize and look that texas tech and tcu have no non-conference games scheduled right now oh, they don't have any opponents
0: so one of those I'm just going to say it's Gary Patterson <laughs> and TCU, <laughs> just because Gary
2: Patterson's going through some
1: things. He's, had, he's so having a rough week. He's having a rough he's week. He's had, so had a fun roller coaster yeah, just he on. was on top. And back yeah, back. we're
2: going to pile on. It's kind of yeah. like where we are with 2020. Like I'm like, <laughs> you know what? We've got, like, murder hornets, and Craig told me about, <laughs> right? like, the – fungus eating oh yeah i heard that and then he's talking about you can't smoke
0: weed anymore because weed weed's apparently bad for you on your heart and 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 stuff like that we're we're still dealing we're still dealing with covid i'm like
2: i'm like let's just let's just get the robot war over with (laughs) yeah what's gonna kill me
0: first smoking weed or the stress of 2020 (laughs) yeah i need something to relieve the stress i've told you guys like
2: my and i've said this on light the tower which by the way you can hear myself and craigway every day on the horn 10 to noon my, like, my, it's not becoming an irrational fear, Rod. Right? It's becoming a rational fear. It's becoming a real fear. I fear the robot war. I feel it's impending <laughs> at this point.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot
2: of movies about that. Like I know people think about <laughs> it. I fear it. Maybe I, maybe I just saw Terminator two way too many mm-hmm. times as a kid. The I Matrix? Don't
1: know. Did you get into like Westworld or anything? Is that Westworld? Yeah, there,
0: <laughs> there are so many great movies and television series about the takeover. Uh, the, te- yeah, the yeah, the computer takeover so, of the world.
2: I'm just convinced it's going to happen. Let's just let robot war happen right now. Like, let's just cancel football season. Let's have the robot war. If we come out on the other side, then 21's got to be better, right?
0: Now, the robots don't want this world. They're going to wait till things are better. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Because <laughs> <That's, like>, uh... <laughs> we're all sitting around and we're like, oh, well, we're <laughs> working hard, but we don't <laughs> know exactly what we're going to do. Maybe. It's yeah. like diplomatic. It's They'll like, you know, you another... got to do something, yeah. but you don't know maybe. how far down the road you can look ahead.
2: They're going to wait COVID, for another Maybe COVID years. is our chemical weapon to win the robot war. <sighs> Yeah, huh? we gotta do something huh? with this damn COVID. I hope
0: you're right about that. All right. Right. Bright side, of things. enough Robux. bad COVID
2: jokes for me. So, <laughs> at any rate, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. But so, the other no. school that, that was apparently holding up progress and. Craigway mentioned the school on the air, so I don't feel like I'm speaking out a turn. West Virginia apparently say that, West Virginia man. apparently wanted a 12 game conference schedule. They were like, ah, we 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 got opponents lined up. Let's just do 12 games, 12 game like conference, and then non-conference. And then your yeah you're three non-conference. We'll Normal 12 game schedule. Yeah. yeah, sounds like West Virginia. Man, if I'm Texas mm-hmm. and Oklahoma, aren't right, I telling West Virginia and whoever the other school was like, sit down and shut up. You're lucky you have a seat at the table. Like this is. <laughs> this is what we're doing, and we're going to do this, and we're going to make it work. Yeah. Let's well, stop stop hanging your coaches out to dry, presidents and chancellors, and Bob Bowlesby being the mm. figurehead of all this. He's the head of this bowl of fruits and nuts here. Let's just get on with it and get your ten, get your nine plus one, and everybody goes. You yeah. need a lieutenant down. Yeah. And now, <laughs> you look at various reports, and we've mentioned this a little bit at Horns twenty four seven as we sit here right now. Nobody knows when the season is technically starting. Nobody knows when the Big Twelve wants conference play to start, even though you've got a conference game scheduled for September twelfth between yeah Baylor. This is like the most Big Twelve thing. Baylor and Kansas is the first conference football game of the year. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, really weird <laughs> and un, as unappealing as yeah. Could it wasn't be. that
1: going to be like September ninth or something? It was like they put the, those two teams really ahead of the month.
2: Yeah, it's strange. So, at any rate. You get down to it now, Rod. Nobody knows when the season's starting. Nobody knows when the opener is. Texas, at this point, the anticipation is, the expectation is, UTEP will be the non-conference opponent. You'll Makes knock, sense. You'll knock USF off. Mm-hmm. So Tom Herman's going to open a camp Friday when he doesn't know when he's playing, who he's playing, or what the rest of the season's going to look like. But happy football. Go get the practice field.
0: Something tells me that the, the folks and decision makers behind the burnt orange curtain have probably told them who he's going to play. We just don't know who he's going to play. And you, guys, you said it's probably going to be UTEP. makes more sense. You don't at least to limit exposure of the COVID virus. You're going to take South Florida from one hotspot to another. At least, you know, let UTEP do that. That's in the system. And, you know, I, I don't know. They still got to pay the money. How, contractually, if that works, so if you make it up, I have no idea. Um, about the money
1: situation, I think because I know South move the game down the road. Yeah, to, you can just sort of day. make it a make good, you know, and we do it another year. Maybe yeah. you can give them one more or whatever.
0: Yeah, so uh, I'm not sure exactly how they'll negotiate that, but it all it all makes sense. It, there were only two options really for the Big Twelve, and it was. Plus one, and if you wanted to get funky with it, you could do kind of what the Sun Belt did, which a lot of people thought was controversial, where the Sun Belt said, listen, we're going to play our conference games, eight of them, and then you can play up to 12. Whatever you want. If you want to get some more games, good
2: for you. Go do it. The AAC has since made that same call to, oh, really? to play the eight-game okay, conference schedule. If, if you can get the 12, go do
0: it. Yeah, and I thought maybe the Big 12 would do that and allow teams to try to get as much revenue exactly. as they possibly could. Uh, but also, there is the question of: Does that is it worth it to right. expose obviously student athletes to the COVID virus, or at least to potential health risks for games that don't matter? I think we're now we're just trying to whittle everything down to: Let's just do what matters. Yeah. What matters, and NBA has probably done the best job. But we know the bubble works, and we know outside the bubble doesn't really work, and there can be there's chaos. That ensues, and you're basically depending a lot on luck and faith yep. for things to work out when Stringy. you're outside of a bubble. Yeah, because there's so many Volatility. factors that you cannot account for yeah, variables. Exactly. So it's 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 going to be tough for college football. So I think that's why it, some people are deeming it irresponsible to do anything but the necessary games, the necessary games or conference mm-hmm. games, so we can get a champion and that kind of thing.
2: So with that in mind, it looks like again Texas will play the non-conference games, and it, and this is where the frustration with the Big Twelve sets in. I saw one report from Kirk Bowles, the awesome American statesman, that it could be a couple of weeks before the league sets the conference schedule. you got Oklahoma That's and Kansas, crazy. they're supposed to play football games at the end of the month. It could be a couple of weeks. Yeah. Really? Is that possible? Like why, why would
0: it take so long? And then Wonder.
2: Kirk, you know, Kirk talked to somebody, I think, at Baylor that said they were hoping the next twenty four to forty eight hours to have everything ironed out. So
0: mm. Well what where
2: because the okay, so the
0: schedules that are out for the power five already, right? Are they the Big has the Big Ten come Big, out yet? Big
2: Ten announced theirs today. Big Ten announced theirs today. Labor Day weekend. I
0: think, is the Pac twelve the
2: Pac twelve has made their, throwing their schedule? out there too, right? Uh, no SEC yet. The SEC has a start date. They have a start but date, no but not scheduled. the schedule yet. Okay. Uh, and the, and ACC, the ACC has a start date, but no, but schedule. not schedule,
0: Okay. So I guess they're not that far behind. Yeah. This is why it's upsetting to me. If you're Bob Bolsby, but you should have anticipated a lot of these scenarios and should have already had contingency plans worked out in place. Like, oh, I guess we got to go with option C, guys, that we worked on for 48 hours straight. You know what I mean? Like, who? I don't even know what they're doing other than just kind of sitting back, watching the dominoes fall, and then making a decision, which is fine. But now when it's time to put out a schedule and work out the logistics and the specifics, you're now behind. And I thought – I thought – they were that's what these commissioners were doing. They were just working out possible scenarios, kind of how CDC explained it. No, we just got contingency plans on top of contingency plans. We're looking at worst case scenarios. We're looking at best case scenarios, and then we'll see what these circumstances allow us to do. But Bob Bosby apparently. He's just now he's like, all right, I mm-hmm. gotta start working on the schedule. He's like the, the college <laughs> student who's known about the, the you know Michael the midterm Scott. and the, the date of it and now like you know, th- forty-eight hours or thirty-six hours before the midterm, he's like, All right, I'm gonna cry, Time man. To I report. gotta I gotta read thirteen chapters. I think I can do this. It'll A chapter be pressure an hour. On the like, What the hell you... <laughs> yeah. right. and I, that's Bob Bosby. That's yep. him. And, and then in,
1: in the situation <laughs> with the conferences, I've been one thing I've been sort of curious about wondering. How much communication has been on the back end to, like, say, the college football playoff committee and these bowl sites? Because if you don't have an exact date now, if you're trying to fit every single thing in by New Year's Day, then your timetable is really, really evaporating. But I know we already had, say, the Rose Bowl parade got canceled. That was, like, almost a month ago, it seems like. These things (laughs) all over the volatility of these bowl games in all these states, I haven't even looked – to see what what the schedule's like on the dates and see if you were to push it back a month, you'd have a lot of time. If not, they got to figure it out soon. And I haven't even seen it reported how much, if they've even been in connection. So I think that's sort of my theory is they're having to talk to them about that to even see when we can start to have, if we need to, a pushback date or start by September 26th or whatever.
2: Well, Rod, and this goes back to the point you just made about, you know things outside of the bubble can be chaotic take louisville for instance (laughs) this just came out louisville has suspended all activities on campus after for four athletic teams after 29 positive covid tests Mm. among student athletes we're linked to an off-campus party yeah, I yeah, saw know that. Rutgers didn't, has didn't, had the same deal. Yeah. K State went through the same deal earlier this summer. I saw yeah. UConn
1: on Twitter just this morning. I didn't click saw anything, that. but it said something about all their sports wow. for the entire year. So if you're talking UConn and Louisville, that, that's telling me something about that conference because that's a big basketball conference, not necessarily. Well, they're two no, different conferences, though. Oh, yeah, now they UConn's are. In the the, one. UConn's in the Big East. For Even worse, that's two that can be ACC. totally yeah. messing them and, up.
0: Yeah, and UConn decided not to play football, right?
2: They, yeah, but I think that's more of being an independent, and I don't think they can find games. Where I, like, I looked at their schedule, and they had like five games. I think three of them were against FCS teams. Yeah. So that's just a matter of logistics. and that. But that goes back to your point about why a 12-game schedule, while on paper it might have looked good, in theory it did make sense because you said, okay, you're maximizing revenue. At some point, I think you're not only looking at, Look, let's not lie. Like finances are playing a big—that's a big component of this, obviously. Yeah, um, you're not only looking at maximizing your revenue, but at this point, you mentioned playing just get the games that matter. If I'm one of these conference pre- conference commissioners or school presidents or athletic directors, you got to look at those TV contracts and figure out, okay, what's the bare minimum number of games we need to play to fulfill our TV obligations that also if is, it's 10 yeah, you're right then that. we're playing 10 and no question not going to 11 whatever and Matt to your point I'm not 100 percent convinced we're having bowl games this year
1: exactly so yeah. and then how would you determine champions you know and things along those lines I think these are the conversations that maybe really te- will tell us more about how they're going to decide that schedule going forward because if you're just doing nine independent conferences that there's no end goal then what are we doing it for? I would think, I I you would, I would a think guys, a lot yes, right. of
2: the lower-tier bowls will probably go away. I think you'll probably get your – obviously get the CFP. Yeah. And then this is assuming, like, there's no stoppages or whatever. I think you get the CFP. I think you get, like, your major-tier yeah. bowls. You know, your New Year's, Alamo, Outback, yeah. okay. uh, those-type bowls. And then maybe a tier down from there, and that's probably it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I imagine you could do it. It's just going to be with – limited to no fans, and honestly, bowl games are used to that. No, I mean, I'm not joking. Right. <laughs> so they don't make, they don't get a lot of fans at a lot of these bowl games. There's that. <laughs> and they and, get
2: like 25% of And, and maybe you have a deal where, hey, you TV know. TV money. Yeah, exactly. Right, TV that's money, what they're keeping. Maybe that's you have a deal with bowl conference. games where, hey, you know, conference bowl tie-ins, that's mm-hmm. uh, not going to work. So, like, the Texas Bowl, it's a Big 12 SEC game. Maybe you say, you know what, uh, yeah, U of H and – uh I don't know A and M. You're both bowl eligible. Come to Houston and play this bowl game. UH H, I know you're not a Big Twelve school, but let's do it. We're just trying to keep
0: it uh, as copacetic as pro- in terms of proximity as we can. So yeah, yeah I'm with you on that. They, the bowl scene is going to change drastically. It is for this year.
2: Yeah, and then maybe you get back to normal uh, in in 2021. But so let's talk about the Longhorns, guys. So we know camp opens Friday. We know kind of who we we think we know who the 10 teams are. that Texas will play. So, Rod, as Texas starts camp, and let's go from COVID thinking and big-picture thinking to back to football, what are some of the big questions, burning questions, Rod Babers has as Texas goes into this camp looking ahead to the 2020 season that, well, eh, we don't really know when it's going to start? Um, well, obviously, non-COVID
0: related because I think, yeah, and maybe it, was, maybe it was Jeff Traylor actually that had the quote, was a great quote that, you know, this year our number one opponent is going to be the virus, and our number two opponent is going to be whoever whoever we play that week, and that's just the way it is. And if you don't beat the COVID, then you're not going to have to worry about playing. It's not going to be an issue. So all the questions right now arise about COVID, but other than that, football-related questions. Um, For the Texas football de- football team specifically right now, my biggest question mark is probably about – Wide receiver and linebacker. And probably linebacker first, then wide receiver. And after that, I'd probably go – I'm mm. not thinking about my concerns. Maybe special teams, actually. <laughs> yeah. I might go linebacker, wide receiver, special teams. Because everything – listen, my D-line, d I think a D-line is going to be nasty. I, do. I heard you know Tim Crowder, you talking to him last week, and I've done my own research. I think that d line's going to be a strength. I think the O-line is going to end up being a strength. I think that backfield's just got way too much damn talent. Stan Drayton's too good of a coach. And Yurisage is going to use, I think, multiple uh, back for uh, personnel packages and formations. I think that's going to happen, 21, 20 personnel. And I think Sam is freaking Sam. Sam Ellinger's legit. I, I, The tight end position, I guess you can put fourth on that list. But I don't know how much we're going to see the tight end position right. if Kate Brewer doesn't expand and evolve – his skill set. And I know he can and keep in mind that he was a wide receiver coming out of high school. So I know he still could be uh, waiting on that light to go off at the tight end position with gaining the weight and transferring the physicality and transitioning into that role. Um, but then you look at the defensive backfield, they're, they're loaded, man. They got too much talent to not be and a veteran talent for them to not be an effective unit this year. So I have a lot of faith in all those units, except for the four, that I mentioned.
2: Let's let's talk about special teams real quick because we haven't spent yeah. a ton of time in the kicking game, and, and I think it's worth mentioning because when you look, at, and Rod, I'm in the process of crunching the numbers so I don't have them in front of me, but okay. when you look at the games Texas won last year, field position and the kicking game were not huge issues. I take that back. Uh, Except for the Oklahoma State game.
0: Uh, yeah,
2: well, well, and the k game. Oklahoma game. Well, but the games they won. Oh, okay. The games they, they won. won. Okay, How about
0: the Oklahoma game, man, field position, they got –
2: well, right. Well, you look at the games they lost. The field position is definitely a reason why they lost. Like yeah. Oklahoma, okay. so you talking about games they won? a ones you. that they barely yeah. overcame. Okay, okay. Bay- Baylor was a game where you got murdered. Yeah. field position like help flip that game, and Baylor never gave up control of it mm-hmm. at that point. But when I think about the games this team won, they did a pretty good job of controlling field position. But okay. where the where the games got away from Texas last year, even in the games they won. It was special teams like go back to Oklahoma yeah. State with Jake Smith muffs a punt, Brandon Jones makes that weird decision to try to slide and catch a punt late in the game, give up a kickoff return for a touchdown in the K State game. Mm. And so, and so it was really, and then you, you look at that, right? And then you say, Well, you go back to the bowl game, Deshaun Jameson has the big punt return. You get the block PAT return for two yeah. by Jamison in the Kansas game, Recent's which as it turns out, you really needed that block PAT. You to... didn't get it. <laughs> turns yeah. out, yeah. If if you don't get that, we we might be talking about a different coach yeah. and different, a different discussion right now yeah. about everything. Completely did, different discussion. Yeah. So really, the bottom line with special teams was, and man, I don't know if you got the efficiency numbers or SP plus in front of you. I think Texas ended up like 19th in the country in SP plus special teams. But that to me was deceiving because special teams last year really was feast or famine, Rob. There That's was the no consistency yeah. whatsoever in the kicking game. You were either, you were either winning games or almost losing games or losing games it because was, of your special. It teams.
0: was almost like the the offense as you described it, right? You in you know, the offense for Texas, you go back and look at their ranking, and hell, they're ranked with top twenty five offense in the country, pretty much. Between and SB somewhere plus, you just yards look at all play, the different, scoring yeah, offense depending on how you want to look at it, and yet. In the in the in the wins, the Texas offense thrived and I think was prolific for the most part. And obviously, there are some different situations there too. But uh, when they lost and they played really good defenses, they struggled. And I think when Texas special teams went up against well-coached, disciplined units, they struggled and made bad decisions. And but overall, like you said, they they made splash plays too on the other end, yeah. The kickoff returns and block kicks, so. It almost evened out for him, but as if you were watching the games all year, I don't know if you could point out special teams to say, "Hey, that special teams that was a strength all year." It, it did make some plays and won you some games, but I don't know if you can. It also lost you some
2: games. Body you don't ever was, want that. Body think. work was probably a wash at best. It was probably a push, and that's
1: about yeah. about where they rate out. If you look at it, forty six, according to Football Outsiders last year, and I mean point oh two s. FEI which is right in the middle of the field but if you're a school like Texas you expect your athletes these are mostly your younger underclassmen Mm -hmm. that are your top level athletes going against players that aren't nearly capable in comparison so Texas should have higher grades most of the time on special teams and so if you're middle of the pack it may be exactly what we're talking about and then think about the perception of special teams because a lot of people just think kicking game and think kickers and like you can have it masked whenever you have long ball dixon or dicker the kicker is a good kicker so you have a good tool at a position and that can really outweigh a lot of the other special teams issues and that's where you can sort of end up grading out middle of the field or maybe mm. inferior. And that just means that if you just get what you should on a play-by-play basis, as long as you don't have somebody just tearing stuff apart and being those glaring holes, you should be able to get back where you were whenever it was, say, you know, your years, 2000 to 2006, I think were, like, the best special team years of Max' career.
2: Yeah, good point. I, I, it starts to me, though, with the two guys doing the kicking and doing the punting. Like, you've got to get more consistency. Out of Cameron Dicker and Ryan Beschewski, like Dicker, we all know. Look, he's hit big field goal at the end of the Oklahoma game. He's got a walked, ton of talent. He man. walked off Kansas, walked off yeah. Kansas yeah. State, and you know Bucky Godbolt does play-by-play for Lake Travis. I've heard Bucky say this: "You so know that kid is too talented yeah. to be as erratic at times as he is." And I think that's the frustrating thing with Cameron Dicker is we see if, if he's if everything's clicking right, right, he might be the best kicker in the country. There might not be. If you ask any coach in the country, there there might not be a kicker they would take over him. If you say, "Hey, I've got a forty-five yard field goal on the hash to win a game," there might you you would have very few people in front of Cameron Dicker in that line. Yeah. But then he'll have games where it's just you know simple like chip shot kicks or something that like wow he he missed that. Like I don't know if it's a concentration issue or what, but you need Cameron Dicker to be that guy that he's been in those clutch situations you need him to be that all the time to get to where you want to be as a team
0: yeah you need him to be automatic on the kicks that are obviously well within his range and you need him to be clutch on those kicks that are where the game is on the line and where yeah it may be something like slightly out of his range because he does have that talent what is, what is he going to be is he going to be a junior yes yep. Yeah, man he's been here a while he's been here longer than I thought too I, it's one of yeah, at this and this should be the year for him though. Honestly, I mean he was a young kicker. Kicker's a tough position. You don't you're not really a part of the team. You're alienated. You don't practice with the team. You are isolated. And I uh, and I'm sure Dickers actually one of the most more popular kickers with his team. And yeah, you go hang out with the guys, but you don't practice with the guys. You don't no, necessarily you're the outcast. You're the thing, you don't meet with the you don't lift with the guys. You know what I mean? You are essentially outcast. It's it's tough on kickers because You know, we expect kickers, I'm talking about guys on the team, we expect them to show up because everybody assumes, oh, man, all you got to do is kick. Yeah. All you got to do is kick. Like, that's not a really (laughs) tough thing to do. Right. Like, if you ask any of those guys out there to do it, like, they'd Mm -hmm. be able to do it. It's a really, really hard thing to to master. And once you've mastered the kicking, like the the technique of it, and having a strong enough leg, all oh, that's great. Then you got to master the psychology of kicking, which means you're isolated. You're you're in a you know team sport, and yet you are playing. You are as you are seen as an individual.
1: Yeah, and you're a part
0: of a team. So I think for kickers, man, it's really really tough. I've seen them, and they can get that. You know, we talk about the yips like in baseball or whatever it is, and you can get this mental block. Mm-hmm. Kickers, it's really tough for them. I almost think kickers should have a sports psychologist they mm-hmm. they work out
1: with because they don't necessarily need a coach. Because you can, they're over by themselves. And they're those by themselves, spots, I mean they it can all get depends, in their own head. Exactly. If you're an yeah. introvert or etch, it all depends on the personalities. But it does. He, I mean, you can hear Scott Norwood talk about like his life changed. Like some kickers never come back from where they were. They don't. And same with golfers and even baseball like, you had players. Some baseball yeah, players and that means everybody. But if there are some good uh, numbers when I looked up, at least looking at his career overall. Now he's missed four kicks each of the – well, he missed four this past year and then missed mm-hmm. eight the year before. Justin Tucker at Texas at least missed four each of his two years. I haven't looked at the distances yet, but just for context. He's getting better. Still showed. Well, improving. You know, not bad. He's like, yeah, he improved, and now maybe, you know, improve upon that. Exactly. That's why I, I think
0: he's trending in the right direction, but I agree with Jeff. Now is, is more is going to be expected of him – has he someone has he missed one of those kicks that we basically will say that uh, Texas lost a game because of that kick?
2: Um uh, well look at his misses trying last year. One was in the West Virginia game. That didn't so kill how big the misses were. Yeah. One was in the West Virginia game. That didn't That's not a you. big miss. Uh he missed one in the TCU game, which that was one I think that, okay, that I, was that a red zone miss. drive that That's died. a big
0: miss. You're right because we we had yeah. red zone issues, so that's a big miss. Yeah. That's a big miss. TCU's uh, a big miss. And he
2: missed he missed one in the K State game.
1: Well, I got, I found wow, this is surprising. I just stumbled upon okay. Justin Tucker missed a thirty-five yarder against Iowa State, a twenty-seven yarder against Missouri, and a thirty-nine yarder against Baylor. Yeah. So it just sort of shows that it's, like you can get in your head and you can yeah. you can just go out there and screw up, and then when maybe he doesn't even have a mind issue or there was wind or things, but it's just being able to be resilient and then mentally sort of being like what people marvelled at Tiger Woods that Tiger would go out there and all these factors that. If, impacted all these golfers forever. And then he just showed up and just went out there confident and didn't care. And it changed the way golfers approach it. It went from a fear-based to an attack-based template. And same idea. Like, you can see when a guy like Justin Tucker's out there now – He's very confident. But when sure. he was at Texas, I remember Mac Brown, it's like the only player I remember Mac Brown calling out by name during like the middle of a game because he faked a punt and went rogue all by himself. So, yeah. like, you can just show that you can miss these short kicks and then maybe have your coach throw you under a bus and then you become the best kicker in the NFL history. So Didn't Longbow still...
0: Dixon have one of those moments early oh, on? Yeah, he had Oklahoma a, moment state. Like that, a brain fart Jake Jake early on. His, freshman year, his yeah. freshman year, he had the, the, the botch snap <laughs> in the Oklahoma that. State game. Yeah. Yeah. He, had he had the Strong. one that went
2: over his head in the TCU game for a safety. That's – I, People ask me all the time like what's, what's a Texas game that like was ugly to watch that you want to forget?" I was like, I want to forget I ever went to Fort Worth that day for 50 to seven. Like, I just yeah, that was just wiped bad. That just out forget that night Charlie night
0: or- Yeah, so, your, so I'm saying, I think kickers they do have those those moments, man. It's just it's a weird position, but you're right. once they get confident and once they have those nerves where they have the unshakable nerves of steel. Then I think you know your kicker's good. He's still gonna yeah. miss because he's human. Yeah. But you ain't gotta worry about him in those clutch situations. You ain't gotta worry about him losing you a game. He understands. Perform
1: the
2: same. Yeah. So he I, hit from 48 in the Baylor game. The la- he only in the last four games he only attempted two field goals. He hit from 48 in the Baylor game. That was after the long Keontae Ingram run, right before the. End I of the remember death. that. Yeah. And then he had a 29 yarder in the bowl game. I
0: want to say Texas was not 12 personnel during that time. too, On that run. Almost on the one thing that stood run. out to me. Well,
2: that was the one Baylor was playing. Baylor was in pre Because they were so, backed up. Yeah. Texas was
0: backed up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a weird situation. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, I agree with you. I think it. Dick of the, Dick of the Kickers, I, I will jump on this bandwagon. He's going to have his best year yet. Okay. And on top of that, he's going to gain more fame than kickers usually would because his name is perfect for a freaking kicker. His Dicker, the kicker, and yep. clutch kicks he's going to blow up. And I don't even know what the kicking national award is, but – the Lou, Lou, a, Groza award. Lou Groza oh, Lou Groza, thank you very much. He made me up for the Lou Groza Award. I, I know the punter because the Ray right guy. Because Texas, hey,
2: Texas had one Groza Award finals. Anthony Farrow was up for that award in 2013. But he was a kicker and, he and a punter, right? When yeah, he but Farrow was really good that year. He was
0: though. kicking and punting. I don't know why he never got shot in the league. It was weird. And, and the yeah. Farrow thing, I remember,
1: though, when uh, he first he showed up that. that Texas fans were frustrated with him because he had some misses. I don't know if it was the West Virginia game. I remember being there and hearing. Hearing the fans go off on Farrah and It's like, I thought we got this guy who's gonna fix everything. And, go, <laughs> and then the next year he's like goes up for the Grozo. And I was like, trust it. he's a he's a proven D one kicker. It's better than some high school. And I'm like defending some kicker. I don't know for <laughs> his sake.
2: Farrah's defending wasn't a kicker. Uh, no, idiot idiot kicker. Farrah's wasn't psychological or Dicker anything. Or though that was a health deal because he had the groin issue coming from Penn State, and I just don't that's think that's right. That thing. Well, who knows? We don't know if it right. was psychological with the kicker or anything. But you know, you know Rob. Yeah. To your point, though, Anthony Ferrara as a senior, that's what you need out of Cameron Dicker, 45-46 on extra points, but yeah, twenty and twenty two on field goals.
0: That's it, yeah. You know what I mean? Like he, an extra point. That's how you know. It's like oh, uh, everybody on the team, they probably saw that extra point missing and was like, oh man, that's crazy. He missed that kick because he, he it's he's so he's been so consistent. So I think you'll get that from Cameron Dicker. I you do. Need- I think Dicker's and I think Dicker's outgoing enough where. He His memory I'm say he has a short memory like a defensive back, but I think he it, it it eludes confidence like I think he has confidence he's a confident guy he has it's, high self esteem he's got, he's that got swagger thing. for kid same
2: quality Justin Tucker had a little mm-hmm. bit different, but Justin Tucker had had that about him too Justin yeah. Tucker's just
0: talented in so many different ways. And but yeah,
2: and and opera I'll say this and about, and maybe this is look. He's we'll like we'll the stop football the football, Houston Street. You know, amen. Right? He's one of
1: those uh, safeties from Westlake that went on to do something else that everybody right? loves at Texas. We'll and stop the weird. kicker
2: conversation here in just a minute. I oh, promise. Yeah, but uh, a no, but yeah, a lot <laughs> <of> special teams talk. <laughs> my my, and maybe this is me having too high expectations for Dicker Rod. But my thing with Cameron Dicker is Texas needs to rely on him the same way they relied on Michael Dixon in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. Whereas you were like, like, we know this guy's going to flip the field. We know, you know, we mm-hmm. know he he can boom one. Whatever, it should be anytime the offense crosses the forty-five. Mike Yursch should know. Okay, we got. I know we, I know we got, we got, three. got three. I know we got three points. I know out we, out we got drive. three. To, yeah, you're right. About, I agree as, as we don't have that. a penalty or anything else. As long as we don't screw it up, we got three points out of this strike. Totally agree with you.
0: And then situationally, hey, if we want to go for it on fourth and inches or whatever it is, we will do, we'll do that. But this guy's got three points in him. Let, you know, so it, Maybe you'll
2: take the points more now with a confident, consistent Dickie right. the kicker. So kicking game is going to be a really big part of this, and I think that uh, we've talked about this when we talked about the offense. I think that's where Tom Herman can really help this team, you know, being drawn away from that offensive meeting room so much. and We know he'll still be in there, mm-hmm. but, man, I, I asked him at the press conference in February, and he said that was a big emphasis for him is they were – Matt, would you say the Football Outsiders ranking was the special teams last 46 last year? Last year? overall. Hey, he, Tom Herman said the metrics they looked at, they were right around 50, and he said that's, mm-hmm. that that's unacceptable. He said you should be a top 20-type kicking game at Texas, and especially now that a lot of these depth guys you have are second and third-year guys, your coverage units should be better. Yep. We know if you've got Deshaun Jamison, your return units are going to be oh, really no. good, Dep- depending on what Jake Smith might contribute there, what Jordan mm-hmm. Whittington could contribute there. You've got enough guys that could give you some pop in the return game. Yeah, you, you should be. If this isn't – we've talked about, like, expectations for Chris Ashton, the defense. If we look at metrics in Texas as anything less than a consistent top 20 type team in a kicking game, I'll be really, really disappointed in special teams this year.
0: I think you went through it, and I, and I totally agree with that. I think it will be a coaching indictment is what it will be. Yeah. That's why Tom Herman knows that. The truth is – I don't want to you know say special teams isn't tough to coach, but special teams is pretty much just assignment football. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. You need an old, old head to come in and right? teach some special teams? There's not as much technique involved in special teams. Maybe at one point there, there will be some technique, but usually you just need guys that have uh, a hell of an attitude. They want to go down, heads on fire, and go wreak havoc, which it shouldn't be hard to find. And You need really athletic guys, help guys who are really fast, guys who are big, guys who are strong. <clears throat> And they don't even need necessarily to be great at a specific position on defense to have those qualities. Hopefully, everybody you recruited has those qualities, Mm -hmm. right? And Texas being as athletic. Like, at the Gunners, I'd love to see, like, Tyler Owens and Kenyatta Watson. You know what I mean? At my Gunners. (laughs) Mm You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? I think you should specifically look at every position on that kickoff and go, all right, what kind of player do we want at the – at the uh, one, they counted one for the kickoff Mm -hmm. coverage, right? So the outside in, right? Uh, So L1 and R1, right side, left side, whatever. Or boundary side and whatever they want to do. But my point is, why wouldn't you put the most athletic, freakish guys you have on that roster on those units and let them go down there and just cause chaos? Right. And I think, you know, if I was a special teams coach, Texas has a bunch of them now, a bunch of guys who have that background, You know, to me, Texas should be among the top 25 best special teams units in the country every year. And on elite years, it should be in the top 10. Mm -hmm. This year, you should be an elite unit. You got a veteran kicker, veteran punter. You just brought up Whittington and Jake Smith and Deshaun Jameson. You got great returners. You got enough freaks to to be great in terms of your coverage units as well, your punt team, your kickoff team. I'm trying to see where there should be a weakness where I can anticipate a weakness on special teams. The only place I anticipate a weakness on special teams is coaching. Yeah. And if those units underachieve, I know. Oh, they're just not coached well, and that's what right. I meant by the old that head. You need an old s- head to be coaching yeah.
1: special teams that can just quickly put a guy that knows football won't have a glaring mistake that it's gets coaching. exploited. And yeah. then if you put the right athletes there, you might be able to have something. The
0: blue chip nuts. ratio says they should be good yeah. on special
2: teams. Rod, let me ask you this, <laughs> and I promise we'll get off special teams. I just want to no. get this, dig digging this one thing. People who like special teams,
0: man. It's crazy. When
2: you third were third of the game, when you were <laughs> at Texas. That's when it, I think everybody that follows this program, and especially Mac Brown, everybody's perception of special teams and the importance of it changed after that NC State game, which Mac State. was embarrassed. Like Mac still talks about that game, how embarrassed he was. Everybody three, was. the three block kicks, yeah, it's embarrassing. So what? <laughs> what changed? Because when and I don't want to like wax poetic too much right about the time you oh, hey, on the 40, man. but I just remember the guys you guys had on like coverage units, like. Richard mm. Hightower and Michael Ungar and Bo Trahan. Yeah, or, man. Or Tyrone Jones blocking kicks. Yeah. Like, it seemed like guys really took pride in, okay, I'm the – like, Richard Hightower and Michael Ungar, like, we're gunners on the punt team. We're going to be the best damn gunners we can be. They ended
0: up being coaches and motivators on the field. And it was it was actually a, a convergence, right? I think that, that NC Colton State era? game was big because that was an embarrassment. And we as players need to feel that shame, the shame of not being able to do the basic, the basic football – you know what I mean? Like football fundamentals, it's blocking, mm-hmm. and blocking, and I mean it, it was
1: it was it was a was, simple way to lose a dude, game.
0: It, trust me, it it really. If you had any pride at all, um, in that room when you and I remember we watched it in the we watched that in the big room. We brought the whole team in. Usually, just only the special teams people watch special, special. teams <laughs> in defensive meeting room. The defensive people that have the defensive meeting room, and you'll watch the the game film and review it. Then we'll split up into DBs and watch more of it. And then that's how you do it after that NC state game the whole team sat in there and watched special teams
1: some shame accountability
0: he, he wanted everybody to feel it and honestly man i i still remember to this day and after that he they basically said man we're recruiting for special teams at this point we're recruiting like you want to if you if you saw this and this appalls you and we 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 need to upgrade on special teams and there was now this movement where the best athletes on the team Took pride in playing on special teams. Coach Akina took it to another level. He would just go grab guys. He had <laughs> wide receivers on the uh, on the punt block unit. He's like, "Nah, I'm taking some of them wideouts, man." He tried to, and, and, and he had guys like you know Roy Williams begging yeah. him to get on the punt block unit. Coach, let me get on there. Tony Jeffrey trying to get on. Every, everybody wanted to play. We made they made it cool basically to play special teams. And we all know you're trying to That's get awesome. away from the discussion right now because you know people are listening. Saying, "Man, come on, man, talk offense or defense. I don't want to hear no special team I'd talk." Like to ask special Michael teams Griffin. has never been anything cool. Nobody likes it. The NFL's <laughs> trying to cut it down. So slowly but surely. Yeah. Everybody takes ba- bathroom breaks, even during the Super Bowl on a special teams plays. Nobody wants to see it. And at Texas, you have to make it cool. And And Max started that, but then the coach at kept it up where, I mean, then they started naming all the units, you know what I mean? And every unit had a different name and a title and their own persona. And that was really the key. And that's, I think we've been saying that for a while, even as it relates to, you know, transitioning players from, like, DB to linebacker, right? What do we say? You know, make it cool for him. You know, name, name the mm-hmm. damn position they're going to put him at something. Name it after market him. It. Who gives a damn? Yeah, just mark it and promote it. He'll want to play it when you talk about how Type cool it, it is. When when they say, hey, man, you know, when we play on national TV, they're going to be talking about the old the the, the overshown package. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, the overshown. Yeah, man, let's do it. I mean, it, it, ain't, it ain't rocket science. They just took 18-year-olds, and they made it cool and hip to play special Teams, and then we all wanted to do it, and we took extra pride in it. And by the way, Mac Brown also devoted two extra periods of practice to special teams. <laughs> And All you used right? to
1: have whole special he teams did, practices. He did, and
0: then we went to, yeah, at one point, we started having whole special teams practices. Yeah, like, as our practice. walkthroughs,
2: it wouldn't even be walkthroughs or offensive, it would just be special teams. I remember the fall the fall camp schedule. You see the kick scrimmage a couple yeah. of Saturdays where you do the kick scrimmage. He just
0: emphasized it more, and everybody took p- more pride in it, and we made it uh, an emphasis and a priority, and it got better because we had the athletes. And, and same thing with Tom Herman.
1: And Keena took so much pride oh, in it that Kena, it wouldn't surprise me that, I mean, you tell the them those stories. The bossy! Yeah. bossy! <laughs> whenever you uh, tell the stories. Like, I know,
0: it, it sounded it sound, like, good with that. Yeah. Posse! That's what he was saying. Like, posse. that posse. Was, it was the posse. And Roy wanted <laughs> to get
1: on and wanted to be able to Everybody go. wanted to be a part of it, man. And whenever he told that, it just sort of made me think of, like, at that same time in 2001 was when Michael Griffin was getting recruited to come to Texas. And he ended up being the guy that set the record for most block kicks ever because, yeah. like, he was a running back, a skill position guy. And, you know, he played safety in high school, and this happens all the time. Yep. But it's a good way to get a guy that's used to making plays and he's playing defense. But man. he's like, yeah, but I got this role on special teams. You'll be featured. You're our guy, no doubt. And it's that Roy Williams type role, like he wanted to flip over. And if you can now have that be sellable to players and be actually something where you have the products to prove for it,
2: it just fits Aquina perfect. Yeah, yeah. You know, That's Tom funny. Herman. Actually, if you want to go through real quick before we transition, uh, Texas calls their special team Special Forces, and yeah. all all the kicking units have Rangers. names. Rangers. Run them down real quick. Yeah. Kickoff unit, kickoff team is Cobra Strike, and these are all named okay. after. Uh, so yeah. Most of them are after Lifetime Longhorns who served in different Ooh, wars. Like that, that that was that ties into what their battalion name was. That's pretty. Uh, cool. Like the punt unit is dubbed the A Team in honor of Nate Boyer. Hmm. Uh, huh. Not my, not Mr. EBU. T-B-U. Punt return, punt return unit. Rod and Tom, Tom Herman was on the forty when this happened. He was a grad assistant for that NC State game. Keep that right, <laughs> he ran <ready> uh, was. <laughs> the punt return unit is still called the Posse. Posse baby. Uh, kickoff return is named uh, Six. And field goal unit is that. sniper.
0: I like that. That's cool. I think I guess it'd been a tradition because I I think Owls were were named after different groups in, you know two two. So we had the Rangers. I can't remember all. Of them. We had the Rangers and the Posse. I can't remember what the other groups were though. I'm getting old.
2: No, you're good, but like, <laughs> like I know Tom Herman sure. takes it seriously because like when we and I don't, I don't, I know we're not getting any practice availability to watch this year because it's just not mm, conducive it's to It's not it. feasible. But like when we go to you know, when times they would open practice to us, like we have to stand outside the gate. The periods we're not allowed to watch are the special teams periods. Mm-hmm. It's like three special teams periods the start of every practice. Yeah, we can't we can't watch. Yeah. I seriously I mean, take it. So it again, Rod. That's one of those deals where it it doesn't. You're devoting time to it. You take it seriously. I know Tom Herman takes it seriously, but something didn't add up last year. And, it will and this it need, year. It needs to connect. Yeah, it, it will this year.
0: It'll win you games, man. Ask Bill Belichick. Nobody takes special teams more seriously than Bill Belichick, John Harbaugh, Mm -hmm. and guys, you know, Pete Carroll and Mike Tomlin, those guys are obsessed with special teams. Gives you that little advantage.
2: So let's get into the meat and potatoes. We've had enough of the side dishes and the appetizers. Let's get into the meat (laughs) and potatoes. Rod, you mentioned linebackers, one of your concerns, and we know right now uh, he's supposed to be, Texas is supposed to be getting a a visit today from Tony Fields, the Arizona grad transfer. Uh, Just get over to Horns 24-7. We'll keep you updated on that. And and it can't be a – a traditional visit because we are in a recruiting dead period. So he's got to do a self-guided visit. Basically, he shows up on campus and checks out what he can, what doors oh,
0: are unlocked. really? Are like they, n- nobody can nobody be there can, for him. No,
2: can't. Got wow. <laughs> him along. He's good are, for him. A ghost he's got to show no, to be really.
0: That's pretty crazy. That's pretty wild. I didn't the know doors that. are
1: unlocked. Go on in.
0: Interesting. They should know what they should do. Put up signs around campus before he comes. To put him on like uh, he should be able to go on like um, like not treasure like a treasure hunt,
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, scavenger hunt.
0: Yeah, like just put up little signs around him, like you know what I mean? Hey, we love you, Donnie Bills. Stuff like I was, that. Honestly, they probably well, there, there yeah. might be a
2: right? gate or two accidentally. Just yeah, accidentally that's what saying, just, you know. so I'm just saying. you brought that up, exactly. did you watch
1: The Last Dance? Yeah. Do you remember the B.J. Armstrong game against the Hornets? Yeah. Against Dale Curry? Did yeah. you see the tauntings? It was in their locker. Like, when the Bulls walk out to go You're out right. on the court, yep. it was kids' drawings, and I've always wanted to it was those <laughs> Steph Curry's, like, little kid drawings <laughs> of taunting the Bulls, and it was, like, bull poop coming out and all this, and it was just some kid poster board stuff. But, yeah, same thing. <laughs> so,
2: Rod, Tony Fields is a guy that, you know, multi-year starter at Arizona. He's got Power 5 starting experience, productive Power 5 linebacker. I laid out this scenario on Light the Tower, so tell me how this grabs you. If you have a scenario where, let's say Tony Fields, he's down to Texas, Minnesota, West Virginia.
0: <laughs> Sorry, it's still funny. West Virginia, Minnesota, and Texas. One of these things is not like the other. What yes. are we doing here?
2: I, I know. Just, I feel good. <laughs> take take, 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 take his ride right, with me. Take his ride right with me. Right. Right Go ahead. It. Let's say Tony Fields picks Texas. Mike didn't want to deal with it. And <laughs> the good thing is, though, typically you'd say when well, you start camp Friday, a guy needs to make a decision. Well, if you're not playing until September 19th, uh, he'll be behind in the acclimation practices, but he's not going to be that far behind. Okay. I think he's a plug-and-play for this defense at Will Linebacker. So if you say, okay, you know you got fields at Will Linebacker. Ooh. Now you've got Mike. You don't have to worry about playing Delia Dayo and Juwan Mitchell next to each other. They can just battle it out Mike. at Mike Linebacker, mm-hmm. and boom, there's your one-two on the depth chart. If Texas gets Tony Fields, how much better do you feel about linebacker? Oh man, I feel way better, like about astronomically linebacker. better. Yeah, it'd be like remember what
0: kind of what Trey Watson did for the running back position. when We got him in. Okay, I would feel better because Trey Watson coming in, I was like, oh, that's good. You got at least you have another body. This is a guy, even as it was a freshman All American. He's been a starter since you know he stepped on a college campus. Right. I have no doubt in my mind that guy's played football for that long, that much of a veteran presence. Not only is he a plug and play, like you said, I think he can actually excel. I think he can plug, play, and excel. Comes from the Pac twelve culture, passing culture. So the Big Twelve pass happy league won't be, and you know it won't be something that's totally foreign to him. I, I think I'm with you. I think he comes in, he can be an impact player. Like he can be a force multiplier for Texas.
1: Yeah, and when I heard you talking about it on the way in on your show, Jeff, on Light like the Tower, uh, it really reminded me. It's like if Texas, this is where you know that you need to just fill out the roster and fill out the holes you have your core players Mm -hmm. that are your top end guys and it just sort of reminded me of how we've watched the Rockets evolve their roster the last two years because it was a team where you know you have Harden and you know you want to build it around another star but there have been a lot of Gerald Greens and names come in and Mm -hmm. out and Daniel House left and came back and all these guys but it can get to a point that if you finally find the guys to fill out the roster to make it be serviceable so you don't have any type of major issue that's going to make a deficiency something you can't overcome, then you can really be as good as your superstars or as good as your stars. And it Mm -hmm. looks like the D-line and looks like in coverage, that's where the strengths are. So if you can just shore up and then add the depth there to where it's like an added tool to the toolbox. It's something that you see team ability to adjust in game. Like you might not even have them, on the field all the time. But in the situations when you need three linebackers in certain games, he can be a guy that fills out the core or is better than your other guys and will purge out an issue that you had before.
0: Got good coverage linebackers, man. If you have overshown on the outside and you could have him. I mean, you you know, I mean, you'd have coverage linebackers
2: in the Big 12. So I yeah. like your analogy though, Rod, comparing it to the running back position 2 years ago because you lost Chris Warren, and he made that transition to tight end anyway yeah. before he transferred. Take but you, back or you had Danny Young. You had Kyle Porter. Uh, you, you, we didn't know what Keont- what Keonta Ingram was going to look like what that was going to be as a true yeah. freshman. Uh, and Trey Watson, I think, took it where Tony Fields would take linebacker. It takes it from a, from a concern to an area where I think if you're Coleman Hutzler coaching that position, you feel like, okay, we at least feel like we're going to be okay. Exactly. It's not a concern anymore. Yeah. It doesn't uh, keep you up at night anymore. You right. just sleeping this like, night. Okay. It's like, what the hell am I going to do?
0: <laughs> now it comes
2: down to one of those deals, like running back. Yeah. Assuming health isn't an issue, you feel like at least you're gonna you be okay. You, yep. We can we can manage this again, considering how good we think this defensive line is going to be, and we've already talked. We spent last week talking a lot about coverage, mm-hmm. and it, we can all can we all agree a healthy Caden Stearns completely changes how oh, everybody no views doubt. this defense and how it functions? Yeah,
0: you, I mean, you, a healthy Caden Stearns projected is a First or second round
2: pick in the NFL. He like proved it. He proved it Eighteen. <laughs> yeah. He was one of the most productive safeties in the
0: country. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so that's how good it would be. Like adding that. I think he's been playing at probably a, a fourth. He's been playing a Rod B fourth round level because of the injuries. But we know he can play at a first round level, and you get that combined with a Joseph Osai who also can play and play himself into that kind of range. He can be that kind of player. Defensive Player of the Year in the conference. Type of ceiling for both of those guys. I think they'll both probably be in a discussion if they stay healthy. And then you add, you had a three-year starter at linebacker, essentially, if Tony Fields comes in.
2: So, Rod, you <laughs> yeah. well, let's just look at it on, on the surface though. Like we, like we know, oh, Iowa State's got some really good pieces coming back defensively. They do. Uh, yeah, you know, and I love great guys. Was on the back end, yeah. and and, and the, the the X factor for Iowa State. They were able to register Jaquan Bailey because of injury last year. So their mm. defensive line, yeah, a good point. You, you've got one of the best 3-4 defense, top five defensive linemen in the conference coming back who didn't play last year. And we know, look, it's Gary Patterson at TCU. We know with what they've got on the back end between Darius Washington and Trayvon Moring, like they've got two of the better defensive backs in the country. And you know in yeah. front seven, they're always going to be solid. They'll out, yeah. they going figure it out. Gary Patterson will figure it out. No doubt. But between that and Oklahoma – We don't know how long the Ronnie Perkins suspension is going to be for because now in this truncated season, is it going to be four games? Four games? That's almost half the season now. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma won't have Ronnie Perkins. And you've lost Caleb Kelly to a knee injury. I I saw it sucks, man. So if Texas gets Tony Fields, does that elevate Texas to the defense you would consider on paper to be the best in the Big 12? It's up there because isn't – I'm um, trying to
0: think of who's returning a lot. Oklahoma like, State's returning a lot on defense, They are. Mm-hmm. They are um, but I think Texas there. has better players than Oklahoma State. And West Virginia brings back the Stills brothers. The Stills brothers, brothers but, which are unbelievable. But overall, when you look at you every, can make that every argument. level of the defense you can You now, can definitely make that argument, but you're right. Gary Patterson is always in discussion, and Iowa State will probably have something John to say he about Cox that. always going to be yeah. in the, yeah. this But I'm this with you. I mean, I, I think it helps Texas tremendously. I, I do – I. Like I said, that's the biggest weakness on the team. And you're talking about adding a three year starter to that. This is a guy that can make plays for you. And like I said, I don't know how much in the Big 12 you're going to how many linebackers you're going to play anyway. I don't know if he's going to play more. You know, I don't know if he's going to end up 4 2 5 most of the time. But I, I know would the think jack so. yeah. that ends up. So I don't know if it ends up being a 3 3 5. But. If you know, I don't know if oh, he's gonna play the wheel or the mic or the you know, what I mean, like I don't know how he wants to how he does his this linebacker. My right?
2: understanding is yeah. they're only gonna roll with Will Mike and then the spur will basically be this yeah. yeah. Okay. So could function as your third linebacker. Yeah. I mean
0: overshown, so I don't know where overshone fits in the mix, but at least now you got three, four guys that that are gonna contend for those.
2: Like lines. we talked about Rod, this, the Sam linebacker is becoming an endangered species in football. They don't much. need one. No, yeah. unless you've got like like what Chris Hash had at Ohio Skill State. Set's not needed. Yeah. Chris Ash had at Ohio State in 2014 with Darren Lee. Unless you've got a guy like Darren Lee as your Sam linebacker, mm-hmm. like I said, you don't really need one. And if you're, you're playing, at, a- you're playing a nickel back there anyway. Since we brought
1: up the defensive production returning in uh, Oklahoma State, they're eighth in the nation, Texas 14th, and then it was okay. right there with Iowa State's 42nd with Tech 44th, Oklahoma 47th, and TCU 50. Everybody okay. else is down in the bottom 50. Interesting. Well, you yeah. at TCU defensively because of Gary 67. Patterson,
2: you get, they get the benefit of the doubt. Of course. And Oklahoma – Man, it has got bad luck. They man. they, they could be looking to play in with... that Texas game without Ronnie Perkins and without Caleb Kelly. Yeah,
0: no, they've got some. They've had some bad luck on defense, trying to trying to trying to really stockpile that the, the, that side of the ball with more
2: talent. Yeah, and I they're it. it's Oklahoma. I mean, they're they're recruiting better, but Rod, they were such a. I mean, look, we watched that Texas OU game two years ago, that yeah. eight, in, in eighteen when Texas Texas could have won that game throwing slant routes the whole day. <laughs> uh, that, that's the worst Oklahoma secondary I've seen Since Bob Stoops took over that program And it's not even close
0: They couldn't adjust And they knew what Texas was doing
2: In terms, yeah. of, you know, in terms of the power running
0: game And yeah. how they wanted to attack them in the passing game I think Oklahoma's defense honestly Is where Texas' offensive line was Like oh like 2010, 2011 I think it, yeah. it might end up And I know, think about O-line It's taken Texas now almost a decade yeah. <laughs> To rebuild and replenish the O-line and it's crazy to say that, but Almost that's back how, to
1: stuttered, man.
0: Is what I'm saying? Like it, it's taken like a decade. Well, I, 08, I guess, is when it started to fall off. Yeah. And it's Colt, just crazy Colt to Colt think how long it, it is. But it, yeah, why it shouldn't have taken that long? It shouldn't have taken that long, but it's taken ten years. I think for Oklahoma, you could be looking at that type of rebranding, that type of project for the defense. I think you know, a five six year thing. I think they're they're probably three years into it now. Are they fired? When they fired Steve's two years ago,
2: in the middle of eighteen. So, so yeah. so
0: yeah, they're probably now three. You know, going on year three into it, and I think it's I think it's gonna be an overhaul, man.
2: Where Alex Grinch probably, if they do it right and again, that's been the overhaul. problem. That's been the problem with Texas offensive line is you've had different O line coaches and attrition rates have been high, so it's taking you a lot longer than it should have. It probably should take if you're an Oklahoma fan, I think It takes Alex Grinch probably two full recruiting cycles to get the right talent in, and then it's a matter of. Can you develop said talent?
0: No, you're right. But it's an overhaul, though, at my, my oh, yeah.
2: point. yeah, That's one of it was those deals, Rod. Really it's like we realize with the offensive line covering this Texas program, you wake up one day you realize, man, it's been bad for a while. It's just now you don't have Colt McCoy around to mask your deficiencies yeah. anymore. Exactly. And then you realize, okay, it didn't get broke overnight. It ain't going to get fixed overnight either.
0: And, and you know what? Oklahoma, they have Lincoln Rally. So you've had three of the best offenses in the history of college football mm-hmm. that essentially has masked your defensive ineptitude. Hell, you had just a wow, decent you defense, it. you you advanced in that college football playoff one of them years. Yes, you win the national championship in twenty seventeen. Yeah. You know, one of them years you, you got you make a run.
2: Your offense with with Baker Mayfield and that offense, that offense was good enough to go beat Alabama. Yeah. I'm had, convinced of that. And then that Georgia team—I think they had three running backs in
1: the backfield. Like that yeah. game was crazy. That during quarantine, it randomly came on like three times Ooh, on the it.
0: You blew the
2: big lead. Like that's that's gonna be, that Rose Bowl is gonna be the one that, that Goggle kick Lincoln your... Riley will go yeah. to. His, <laughs> Lincoln Riley will be on his deathbed, probably thinking about that Rose Bowl.
0: I don't think so. Cause I think Lincoln's gonna. I think he might win one, man. I think he might because now he wants to stay. I thought the NFL would tempt him, and now he's signing extensions. I'm like, damn it. Well, somebody in the league come grab this dude. I hope the but Texans Rod, or somebody grab But Rod, you him.
2: know how that is. Like Mac Mac, Mac has a national championship. Uh, he's got a national championship ring. I bet he probably thinks more about that Rose Bowl at the end of the '09 season probably than he does about the one he is won. Is it true? Is it true? No, you're right. That's that's why he said he stopped coaching. Yeah.
0: He said the losses started hurting more than the wins made him happy,
2: and he was <laughs> like, "I got to get the hell out of here, this thing." Yeah. So. Uh, Tom Herman's talked about maybe getting to that point, and he wants to try to keep it loose and and fun. And and I thought he said something interesting this off season too. As we, I'm I'm trying to segue us over to the offense in case anybody can't tell him, just doing a really bad job of it. But he mentioned something Tom Herman did when we had him on our Texas tailgate chat back in April. He talked about he won a national championship at Ohio State in 2014. He's like, I didn't have any fun. He enjoyed the wow. players and the coaches, but it wasn't it wasn't fun. It was a grind. So he wants it to be different at Texas. But, Rod, I go back to something Mm. Tom Herman said when he took the job. The fun is in the winning, and if you're Texas offensively, the fun isn't going to be like we talked about ad nauseum. Can you consistently get the kind of production that your talent level suggests you should get? And based on our conversations about special teams, Mm -hmm. what we just talked about about the defense, what we've been talking about about the offense, it's not a talent issue on the 40 acres anymore. No. You've recruited well enough that we're not talking about do you have the pieces. You've got the pieces to go win the Big 12. If you're Tom Herman and his staff, it's a matter of what can you do with those pieces and can you get them in the right place to go win it.
0: And we just let you upgrade your coaching staff.
2: Yes. All right, so we
0: we saw that, okay, maybe the coaches were holding this team back from reaching their ceiling. So now you got the guys that you really, you know, cut in those roles. Supposedly. Y- supposedly. Uh, but I think he does. I The more research I do on Yursich, man, I've been watching more and more Oklahoma State film from 2018, watching Ohio State film from last year. This guy, he gets it. He gets it. He understands the cheat codes now that are associated with the offense that, are, that we think are so simple but, you know, that gives your receivers an easier release to put them in bunch formation and to use pre-snap motions and shifts and to use more personnel packages. I, you know, I, I went back and watched that 2018 Oklahoma State-Texas uh, game, and God, I can't, I, I mean, I've watched it like four or five times now. I mm-hmm. almost got placed memorized, and they run the t- two back formations. I I can't get over the twenty personnel two back formations. Usually shotgun split back, over fi- uh, around fifty percent of the time. Half of that game plan was just two tailbacks in the backfield, and I just keep you know visualizing you know that being uh, you know Rojo and Keontae, or Keontae and Bijan, or, or a combination of Jordan Whittington motioning back there with Keontae and all these da- these these funky funky formations and personnel packages that he can use to get you a matchup advantage. I think he gets it. I, I'm concerned about the, the wide receivers, but your piece about the the running backs and how they have been used in the passing game, just with Tom Herman here in the pro spread, I'm I'm confident that you'll be able to use the running backs in the passing game to supplement a little bit until you get your wide receivers going. But even the H with Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington there, we know the volume, that position uh, ends up getting, I, I, I think that they'll be okay in the passing game too because I think they're going to try to establish the run. I think they want to be able to run the football. And with those backs, why not?
2: So here, here's where I am on Texas, Rod. I said this before, I'll say it again. If you're giving me 10-2 and two or 8-4, and four, I'm taking 8-4 and four because here's here's the bottom line where I'm at with this team. I said mm-hmm. this last year, and I think in a lot of ways this was true. I said if Texas didn't get to 10 wins last year, one going to be because of talent. And it wasn't because of talent, in my opinion. It It was because of injuries played a big role in it, but coaching played a big role in it too. Mm -hmm. And whether it was Todd Orlando just not being able to figure it out or the times where we saw the offense for the various issues in the games we talked about ad nauseum, those issues pop up. I'm at the same place. You've got the talent to, with LSU off the schedule, yeah. Texas has the talent to go run the table. Mm Mm-hmm. Texas has the, the the pieces are in place. I agree. That if you said, "Can Texas go ten and 0, I will look you in the eye and say, "Yes, absolutely, they can go ten and 0. Do I think they'll get there? No, I don't, because I don't yet have confidence that this staff can do it. And it's nothing against Tom Herman, but you got to show me at this point. You got, you know, I I bought in after twenty eighteen. I was kind of buying in last year, but I've seen this one too many times, Rod. I can I can only be. Charlie Brown and let Lucy pull the football out so many times before I stopped trying to kick the damn ball.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that.
2: Um, no, I'm with you, man. I, I said it
0: after the bowl game. Maybe I was happy after the the, uh, the Alamo Bowl and I said I'm not falling for it again. Was everybody happy? Yeah, people were happy after the, uh, the Alamo Bowl. I was more so like, relieved. People were happy after they beat Utah. I was like, yeah, I knew this team could do it. I knew what we were capable of. And I said, I'm not falling for it again. I'm no. not falling for it. I did after the uh, oh, sorry. It
1: it's the, the Herman style.
0: The Texas Bowl, right? That Missouri. was the Texas Bowl, and then there was the, of course, the Sugar Bowl, and I, I was like, you know what? That's right, baby. We it, it, it's re- they're ready. I think Tom Herman now has finally got the ship, you know, on well, the right a, course. A good and, night in New Orleans, man. And then and then we saw this team have some of the same issues that they've had in previous years. So I'm with you. I think I think there is a lot of um there's a lot of truth to what you said. That, they, that, they, that Tom Herman needs to prove it. Why give them the benefit of the doubt of like, oh, they can go 10 0. Yeah, they could. Uh they could, you know, but they're not. It can be six and four <laughs> because we know Tom Herman. Um, he plays often as a coach. His teams play to their opponent, uh, he, so if he plays a really good opponent, they'll play really well. Um, so he's never going to get dominated in a big time game. You don't have to worry about that with Tom Herman. I don't worry about those Coyote Ugly losses in big in big games on big stages. What I worry about is. The TCU letdowns, and you know the Texas Tech letdown in 2017, and the the Marylands of the world. That's what I. That's Mm-mm. what I fear. I fear what we what could happen in Kansas game for Texas or the Kansas State game. That's what I fear. I'm like, I'm not worried about are we gonna show up versus Oklahoma. Usually we do, and even that game that we lost last year, Texas had a shot. I mean, Uh Todd Orlando's defense, guys fired for God's sake, kept you in the game, or at least a half. (laughs) Oklahoma,
2: (laughs) his whole career.
0: Against against the greatest mind, arguably, offensive mind in football, he kept you
2: in the game. If you get a stop stop right there, you're giving Sam Ellinger the ball back in a one-possession game with with time on the clock you got to like your chances, right? Yeah, the
0: shot. So, like I said, I don't worry about Texas get, having a chance to win those big games. I worry about, man, what game's going to sneak up on them out of nowhere. I'll give
2: you this in closing. I'll give you this, Rod, and this is where my concern is. So, we, at Horns 24-7, our staff roundtable this week was, now that we know it's a 10-game schedule, re-rank the toughest games on the schedule. And because, obviously, you can't have LSU in there. LSU can't be one of the toughest games because it's not getting played. Mm, that's good. Do you know what my three toughest games on the schedule were? Oh, can I guess? Number number one should be a given, right? It's Oklahoma, Oklahoma, and I think until yeah. until you get that series back, okay. tilted in your favor, it should be
0: number two. is gonna be Oklahoma State.
2: No, K State. Number two is K State.
0: I was gonna say Purple Kryptonite. You get me all you get one game and then you gotta <laughs> yeah.
2: go to Manhattan to play. And Chris kleiman has got that Bill Snyder thing going on still. Dude. Where you don't know, you don't really know what they've got. You get season last year, man. You don't really know what they're all about. And then granted, they they got to replace everybody on the offensive line. Whatever, but quarterback you don't really know. what I think Chris Klein is a hell of a coach. I'm with you. So you I don't do really you. know what they've got, and they they
0: could have won ten games last year, man. They, they had like two, they had like two losses that were by three points or less, and they beat Oklahoma.
2: My number three game at Texas Tech. Oh, for the same reason. For the same reason you just talked about, Rod. Interesting. It, it comes at a, at a. you know, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at the schedule. Oh, you just look, okay. I got you. The layout and. You play at K-State, at Oklahoma, home against West Virginia. Then you go to Lubbock. Mm. That that game just smells like that's yeah. one of those, oh, man, this could be one of those games where Texas just doesn't have it and – it could it could be a bad night on the South Plains. And when uh, Bowman's healthy,
0: if that, is he's the quarterback, right? When well, yeah, he's man, healthy, he's a good one
2: quarterback. That's what thing with Texas Tech, man. If Alan Bowman's healthy, he's that's healthy. a game good team. Yeah, they can play. They 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 could. They I'm with because
0: it's 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 it really in the middle of nowhere. Even the schedule, it's yeah. in the middle of nowhere, and literally it's in the middle of nowhere. My, my, <laughs>
2: my number my number four game. My number four game is Oklahoma State. Yeah, it's gonna be late. I guess what I got at number five. Ooh, who is it? It's not TCU or Iowa State because I think, given what happened last year, I think Tom Herman will have Texas ready for that. i put the Kansas game on there at 5. Do you know why? Because here's your schedule. After Texas Tech, you're at home against Baylor. Given what happened last year, plus the fact that Tom Herman respects Dave Aranda, I have no doubt Texas will be ready. And then you go to Kansas, and then you've got TCU and Iowa State after that at home. So you know the stakes there. So, again, where that Kansas game falls – I've been to Lawrence, Kansas, and I've seen Texas lose a football game. And Tom Herman's had three meetings against Kansas, never cover oh, the spread in any of them.
0: Yeah, they're pretty mm-hmm. close.
2: They're closer than they need to be. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And they could sneak up
0: because I don't know really know what Kansas has And Kansas has to is offer. used
2: to not playing in front of anybody yeah. <laughs> that late in the conference schedule.
0: That's not going to affect that Kansas. Won't be weird. No, yeah, no, I'm with you about the placement of it though, because that's why we worried about Texas being able to fo- crystallize their focus for those, those 10 straight weeks, in addition to everything else that's going to be going on, the COVID and all this other stuff going yeah. on. So I'm with you.
2: Those te- at Texas Tech yeah. and at Kansas, Rob, that, that's... I, I like just, that Tech pick, though.
0: That Tech pick is dangerous. I didn't know where it was, but that's dangerous.
2: Like I said, if, if man, if Alan Bowman's
0: healthy... Mm-hmm. they they could be a tough out. Their defense, you know, that Texas Tech, they're having a defensive revolution out
2: there in it. They really are. Started with David Gibbs, and now it's like yeah. you know, Matt Wells. And they take guys. defense
0: seriously yeah. now. They have the first-round pick at linebacker with, with Jordan Brooks. They're
2: taking it seriously. I, really? think Jordan, I think Jordan Brooks was surprised Jordan Brooks was the first-round pick, <laughs> if we're being honest. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't the first. Get that fifth-year guaranteed on the contract, baby. I'll take it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so the next time, gentlemen, we have a show, we'll be talking about camp, and
1: hopefully, we will, hopefully yeah, we'll start have, date.
2: A, have a football schedule yeah. to discuss. But no, in the Big 12, we probably won't. If we so, don't, that's all right. We'll still talk it. I'm not going to get my hopes up one way or the other, but we'll be back talking ball next mm-hmm. week here on the show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019 AM, 1260. Streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the triple option with RBKD each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Shameless plug. Get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt. You can get our archives, classic interviews, and shows. It's all available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to find this podcast by searching Horns 24-7 Podcasts anywhere you get your podcast. You get Us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship just by searching Horns 24-7 Podcasts. That's at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and don't forget to like us and leave us a review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again